Okay, we're starting again. So the class is kind of a crash course, and I published on the flyer a bunch of questions that are very commonly asked. So this, in this class, we're just going to go through them because, um, because they're, uh, they're very common, and, uh, and in understanding them, you understand um, a lot of what drives the halachas of lighting Hanukkah candles. So the very first question, which comes up all the time, which is, when is the ideal time to light Hanukkah candles? And if I can't make that ideal time to light the Hanukkah candles, so then what should I do? So the ideal time to light Hanukkah candles... On Hanukkah. I'm sorry. On Hanukkah. Excellent, Scott. Very good. Okay, next topic. <laughs> so uh, the Gemara says that, that a person is supposed to light Mishatishka HaChama, from sunset until uh, foot traffic has left the marketplace. That's what the Gemara says in Shabbos Tavchof Aleph Omen Beis 21b. Uh, and, uh, and so the, the first step is Misha Tishka Achav at sunset. What is sunset? So it already starts getting complicated here at this point in the sugya. What's called sunset? There are at least three different interpretations in the Rishonim. Some say it means Shkia, like the one that we know and love, the one when the sun comes down. Some say, in the other, se- in the other, other end, some say it means Tzais, which is nightfall, three stars, what we're familiar with is three stars. Some say it's something in the middle called the second Shkia, the Shkia Shnia, which we don't have, uh, this is not the place to really go through. But even there, exactly what the time is, is not so <coughs> clear. For our intents and purposes, December 2nd, which is next Sunday, a week from tonight, which is when we're going to light the first night, so Shkia, sunset is at 5.31. Seis uh, is at 6.04. 5.31 and 6.04. So the span of time of all the various opinions as to when you should light should fall within that time period between 5.31 and 6.04. Just for fun, I, I wrote down a list of different opinions. It's an amazing thing of how many different opinions there are as to when one sh- the ideal time to light is. And they're all based strongly on, 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 on strong halachic sources. So deep breath, here we go. According to the Gra and the Briskarov and the Minig in Lithuania before the war, it was at Shkia. According to Moshe Feinstein, it was 10 minutes after Shkia. According to Ravadi Yosef, it was 15 minutes after Shkia. According to several other uh, posts, it was 18 minutes after Shkia. According to the Chazanish and the Lubavitcher Rebbe and the Beis Yisrael of the Ger dynasty, it's 20 minutes after Shkia. According to the Mishnah Bura, sounds like it's about 25 minutes after Shkia, and that's what Ivan Cutler did in Lakewood. According to many others, it's it's at Seis, which is you know nightfall. Shochan Aruch sounds that way. The Aruch Hashochan, the Ben Yishchai, other Sfardi poskim. So that's a small selecting selection of all the various purpose of all the various times. First four you mentioned, though, if you average it out, we're at 22 minutes. So maybe we just go there. Yeah. So the the point is the point is you have. I'm sorry. This is when you start lighting. Yeah, the early, the earliest ideal time for lighting, the absolute earliest time that you can light. We'll get to it a bit later. But this is. But I'm this is the earliest time to light. Wouldn't it just the best? The best time to start lighting is to wait until the last one has. In other words, if if there's a window to light, right? I guess what you're saying is not the earliest. It's the best time, not the earliest time. It's the ideal time to begin lighting. And the reason why you don't just go earlier and earlier is because, um, according to the, according to some opinions, that would be lighting too early. In other words, if your opinion is that it should be 20 minutes after shkia and you light before that time, then you're not you're lighting too early. 
So that's why you don't just go as early as possible. Because then according to the opinions that you should let it skier, you're letting too late. Too late, I see. So it's I thought it was odd until... Well, it's not too late. It's just not... You're not being able to say that. Yeah, it was until... According to the Rambam... The last regal leaves an opportunity. Yeah, you... According to the Rambam, um, if you light a half hour past the time you're supposed to light, it's too late. You uh-huh. can't make a bracha anymore. According uh-huh. to the Rambam. Wow. Not, not, not lahalacha, wow. according to the Rambam, you can't make a bracha anymore because it's too late. The Rambam the understands. The Gemara says, says which we'll talk about later uh, as we go through the shir. But the Gemara gives that time. There's a question of, is that the time... Uh, is that, you know, the definition of time, how long the candles are supposed to last for, like whenever you light? Let, let's call it a half hour because that's what it is, lahalacha. Does it mean they should last a half hour for whenever you light? Or does it mean that that's the window to light in, and once you get past that window, you can no longer light? The Rambam is of the opinion, he takes a stringent approach, this, the second way that I just said, that once you get past that time, you can no longer light. So, um, so therefore, it's, that, that's why it's important to try to get, get it in the sweet spot in the right time. Minhagim uh, uh, vary, but if you, you know, sometime in between Shkia and Seis is the yeah. right ideal time to light, which means sometime in between 5.30 and 6.04. Um, well, the Rambam holds that is Seis? N- no. No, the, the, Rambam holds, um, the Rambam holds that the lighting actually should be from Seis, but if you use the Rambam's interpretation as to when the absolute last time you can light is, Rambam's interpretation being that you can't light past that half-hour time window. And you add that to the opinion that that's, um, that's at Shkia, so that means that once you get past Seis, the half-hour from Shkia, you can no longer light. Right. So Tichla is, is 30 minutes after it's says according to According to the Rambam, Tichla is 30 minutes after the time you're supposed to start lighting, until, from uh-huh. Shkia. But uh, the, what I'm saying now is uh-huh. that what Mishnah Tishkechama means is a sliding scale based upon various opinions. So that's how long it should last. That, that's when a person should ideally start lighting. How long should the flames last for? So it's, uh, it's about a half hour. Um, and I think we'll talk about that uh, in the next, uh, attached, attached to the next question. So that's when you should start lighting. So between 5.31 and, uh, and 6.04, and just let me just speak out the halacha. Uh, because of all these various opinions, and because of what I just mentioned, that the time period it's supposed to last for is a half hour. So, whenever you start lighting from, meaning let's say you're going to light at 531. Doesn't have to, uh, by the way, it doesn't have to be this exact. As you, as you note from the times that I just gave, there's so many opinions. It doesn't have to be exactly on the spot, on, on, you know, to the minute. But if you're going to light at 530, so the candle should last until a half hour past the latest shita. So in other words, it should last till a half hour past Tzais, because that's the latest opinion as to when you should start lighting. So it should last from 5.31, for our intents and purposes, till 6.35. Okay? So that's, uh, that's when you should start lighting, and that's how long it should last, somewhere around that time. Now that's all in a perfect world. That's when we're sitting at home, relaxed, and everything is fine, and we can get to our candles and set them up nicely, and then, you know, start lighting at 5.30 or 5.40, and then put in enough oil that it lasts, or have long enough candles that it lasts until 6.35. But in a great many uh, homes, in many, many cases, either the husband or the wife, or both, are, uh, are coming home much later than that, uh, due to work, our traffic, um, I know there's no traffic in Atlanta, but if you know, something happens and it's raining and there's traffic, so it takes time to get home. So now what to do? 
Let's talk about two scenarios. Husband gets home, gets home first and he's waiting for his wife, or a wife gets home first and waiting for, uh, for her husband. So there are two options, basically. I'm sorry? <laughs> there are two options. It gets even more politically correct, in this, as you'll see in a second. There, there are two options. Either you could wait. Everyone, you know, let's wait until everyone comes home so we can all light together. But then you might lose that optimal lighting time. Um, or whoever is outside the house can be Yotze with the lighting that's going on inside the house. The Gemara uh, talks about Rabbi Zera on Shabbos Daf Chav Gimel and Aleph. says that Rabbi Zera, when he was single and he was learning in yeshiva, he would, uh, he would join in with the family that he was staying with. He would uh, donate a little bit to the cause, he would start for Preeti, and he would become part of the family in that sense, and he would join in, and they would light, and he would be counted. And he said after he got married, he no longer needed to do so because uh, they're li- he said, they're lighting for me at home. That's the expression in the Gemara. They're definitely lighting for me at home. So we see from there that if so- uh, candles are being lit in the house, that could cover whoever is, uh, belongs to that house, whoever lives in that house, whoever shaykh to that house. So you see we have two options. Either one, to wait until the whole family is together, till the husband comes home, let's say, or number two, uh, the wife should go ahead and, and light with the family, and the husband is Yotze, wherever he is. When he comes home, he'll see the candles, it'll be very nice, and he'll know that he was Yotze the mitzvah. These are two <laughs> options in halacha. They're both valid options. They both do work. The question is, which one is better? What to do? Even if he doesn't see the candles when he comes back. Correct. Yeah. And he doesn't make a bracha. He does not make a bracha, no. His, his wife made the bracha at home, and that covers him as well. So... Um, yeah, so one, one issue is a constant, uh, it's, a, it's a, a common theme in halacha, mitzvah bo, yoser mi It is better to do a mitzvah by yourself rather than send, to send an agent to do it for you, even though it counts. Uh, if you need to do bedikas chamet, the check for chamet, that's something you should do on your own. Um, but you can also send an agent to do it for you. It, can't, it works, but there's this concept of doing it on your own. So the Magen Avram says, that you have this concept that you should do the mitzvah yourself. But the Aruch HaShulchan says, well, if that's the case, let's go back to our Rabbi Zeira, our source in the Gemara. He didn't go home to light. So I see from Rabbi Zeira, there's no idea of mitzvah bo yosevi b'shalucha. So that's where, uh, that's where the halachic discussions start. That's where they usually travel to that Magen Avram, the Aruch HaShulchan. And, uh, and I've seen in contemporary Svarim just today, I looked it up again, the Sefer called Nite Gavriel, uh, he says that a family should wait until midnight. Mm-hmm. Not entirely clear exactly where he, he, he quotes a Sefer I haven't, I haven't seen inside. Family should wait until midnight. The uh, Sefer, this all one, to all be all together. Yeah, the Kovitz Halachos, which is a compilation of Sakim, uh, a student of Ishmael Kamenetsky, followed him for years, asking him all sorts of halachic questions and put into this handy Sefer. Um, many volumes, looks nice on the shelf. Um, it has a lot of you know, amazing content. He says that, um, and ostensibly this, what he says is in the name of Shmuel Kamenetsky, he said it's better for the wife to light, better to have it lit on time than to, uh, than to wait until everybody comes home. The opinion that says midnight, I talk about chatzos, uh, it's, It seems that way, yeah. It seems that way. I don't, I, again, I can't explain it to you. I didn't see it inside. I don't know exactly what the reasoning is. So you have both opinions. Um, in this case, and in many cases of the halachas I'm going to discuss tonight, it's not one, uh, one size fits all. Uh, if you have your particular situation, 
it's, it's a good idea to ask because each home runs differently <coughs> and there are different considerations. Um, you know, for some people, you know, it's just, it's just not Hanukkah to, to come home and not have anything to do with the Hadlakas nearest Hanukkah. Um, I, I, I definitely identify that I feel, I feel for that position. And, and therefore, there is halachic uh, sources to stack it in favor of waiting until the husband comes home. But I just wanted to clarify there, there are these two options. Would it, would it be uh, inappropriate for the woman to light and be Yotzi, the husband? Then when he comes home, could he not light his own? He could light, but he, brush, he wouldn't make a bracha. Yeah, he, he, could, he could light. light his own yeah, there's no reason not to light, light candles. But it doesn't, doesn't have the same significance. If he's already a Yotzi, then what's the point? Then, right? you know, what's the point? Yeah. He, can, he can also turn on and off, flicker the lights on and off. And it doesn't, you know, doesn't really do anything. Um, there is an opinion in the Mishnah the Mishnah Brewer that a husband could decide, I don't want to have my wife um, be motzi me. I'm not going to fulfill my obligation with my wife, but my, with my wife's lighting, and I'm going to go home and do it on my own. There is such an option. Not clear if it works, but that is an option. That's all if the husband is, is, is coming home later. However, if the wife, wife is coming home later, Jonasen mentioned earlier that I'm, I'm, I'm couching this in politically correct terms, um, it, the postkim quote this kind of extra legal source um, about this concept. They tell of a, um, a story that the Chafetz Chaim, um, Chafetz Chaim's Rebbe was a uh, Talmud Chacham a, known as um, Rav Nachemke. Rav Nachemke was the Chafetz Chaim's Rebbe, and a story is told that the Chafetz Chaim was once staying with his Rebbe with his teacher on Hanukkah. And the hour was getting late, and it was time to light candles. And the correct time to light candles was, you know, had set in, and, and Rav Nachmukah wasn't lighting the candles. And the Chafetz Chaim was looking at the clock and looking at his Rebbe, didn't want to say anything, and time was ticking. And you know, you're missing the time. It's, it's ticking and ticking. And, uh, and then finally, well after the time that you're officially supposed to light, um, Rav Nachmukah's wife comes home, and then he prepares the candles and he lights them. The Chaz Chaim said, what happened? Why did you wait so long? I know you're very, very careful. You're punctilious in every single aspect of halacha. And Rav Nachemka said, it's a Gemara. The Gemara in Shabbos says, if a person has the ability to, to, to either procure Ner Shabbos and Ner Chanukah, so Ner Shabbos is adif, the Gemara says, that it's better to, to, to buy Ner Shabbos because Mishum Shalom Bayis, because of a peaceful house. So, uh, truth be told, the Gemara, according to Rashi, is talking about, not talking about um, harmonious marriages, it's talking about having light in the house so you don't trip and fall, but it, it, by extension, it applies to having, um, not tripping and falling, I guess, in an emotional sense, and making sure that there's, there's peace and, and, uh, and, and harmony at home. So he, did a, he did a call the home. I guess so, yeah. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah it's an extension. So, you see this concept that they, that they and this is quoted in Halachasvar. You see from the story of the Chafetz Chaim, it is very Ravnachim that you should wait for your wife to come home. And he waited till when? Said to pass the ideal doesn't time? Say. The, doesn't doesn't yeah. say when, how long he waited. Okay. Doesn't say. Um, it still had to be within halachically. Or are we saying he went past? So I'm gonna, and then I'll mention now, there is, there, you can, you can, there is halachic case to be made for lighting well into the night, which we'll talk about right now. So exactly when it was, I don't know, but later. <coughs> okay, so that's the ideal time to light. Waiting for a husband, waiting for a wife. That's done. Let's move to the next question. When can I put out the candles? And can I blow out the candles? So when can I put them out? 
How long is the mitzvah? So we made it, we, we noted before. Questions. I'm sorry? Those two different ways. Yes. Yeah, putting out, and specifically the question of blowing out the candles, which we'll get to in a minute. There's this uh, <laughs> idea out there that we're not supposed to blow out candles with so our breath. Just, just do it some other way. Yeah, yeah, with your, your fingers or wave something at it. There are all sorts of ways to. <laughs> so, um, as I mentioned, that half hour time period is, is, uh, is, is uh, the correct uh, um, amount of time the candles are supposed to be lit. However, there's a question. Because the Gemara says it's for until the last foot, leaves, the foot traffic leaves the marketplace. Why is that? Because the idea of candles is presuminisa, is we light the candles to show the world, to show Kleisel. That the, to to uh, to uh, to uh, publicize the the miracle. So if that's the case, it should be as long as there are people milling about outside. And uh, famously, the Briskerov lived in Yerushalayim near the old Edison Cinema. It was a movie theater near his house, and apparently he got the showtimes. He knew where the last uh, film was, <laughs> and he would ensure that his candles remained burning. That he had put in enough oil. It would last until the last movie was over. And therefore, people who are walking that way, anyone who would be walking around at that time would make sure you know, you'd be able to uh, see his candles. What? Apparently. Why year was Was it Briskerov? Briskerov. So it's not clear if, um, if he did that you know, as a, because it was a halachic stringency or just because it was a nice <coughs> thing to do. But th- that's often referenced when discussing this. So it would make sense to say that it's however long there's normal foot traffic in your, on your streets. And Shlomo Zaman said that, that would make sense to do so, but we don't. The, the mitzvah of Hadlakas near Hanukkah was affixed for us by Chazal in the days of Chazal. And all the Rishonim speak about this half-hour time period, except for Ritva. All the, all the other Rishonim note this half-hour thing, and nobody changes over the generations. We haven't heard the concept of changing based upon where you are, what's going on in the marketplace, do you hold like uh, this shita or that shita as to when you're supposed to start lighting. The, the, uh, the constant theme in halacha is one half hour. So that's the halachically, uh, um, uh, the best halachic option is, is a half hour. However, there is one train of thought that leads to the understanding that you can light later. And that is as follows. Where is it that we should be, where should we light the candles? Where? The Gemara gives three options where to light candles. First option, outside, in the doorway. You should have the mezuzah on one side and the nearest Hanukkah on the other side and be surrounded by mitzvahs. It should be outside in the public. Uh, you see that a lot in, in the public. You see that in Eretz Yisrael all over the place. The other option, the Gemara says, if a person doesn't have an exit to the outside, um, then, uh, then he should light it at his window. And the third option is, the Gemara says, Mishasa Sakana when things became dangerous for Jews to, to perform mitzvahs in, in the public uh, forum, then put it on the table, and that menichal shuchana v'dayu. Put it on the table, and that's enough. Three options. Outside, in the window, at the table. So uh, the fascinating thing is nowadays we do none of the above. <laughs> really? We, in Eretz Yisrael, they do it outside. In Chutzlar, it's in diaspora everywhere. It's done inside. I even saw a, a, uh, in, this, in this book, Safer with questions posed to Shmuel Kamenetsky, they asked him, "What about in Lakewood, in certain uh, building complexes where there is uh, there are no non-Jews? A non-Jew would never think of going in there. It's all Jews everywhere." He said, "Even in that place, the minhag, the custom, and chutzlars is to light inside." Interesting. So this seems to be a very prevalent minhag inside, and inside when we're talking about the idea of lighting inside, it should be on the table. Where is the idea of lighting it at a, at a window? 
What was the second? The second option is, in the days of the Gemara, someone who had no exit to the outside. He rented a room in a house, and he had no personal uh, door that faced the outside. So he'd light it at his window. We don't have, that doesn't exist in our days. Uh, usually doesn't exist. Maybe in certain table. apartment buildings. What you're saying is that, that condition is not our condition. Correct. That's not the same condition. Therefore, and yet, we're lighting in the window. We're not doing it the right way. It's not one of those It's not, three. not the right way. It's just interesting that it kind of developed that it's sort of inside and sort of outside. It's inside because it's literally inside as we do in the diaspora. It's but it's public because people can see it through your window. Now, but none of those three sheetas were mentioned. I mean, that's not according to either of those three sheetas. That's, that's true. That's yeah, saying, it's a fascinating right? thing. Yes, it's true. But is it permitted? It is absolutely permitted. That is the standard mitzvah well, nowadays. Well, the same one, it still is. Yeah, it works. It, it definitely works. By the t- by it's the just way. hard to tra- trace exactly how it came about. Oh, I see. Which, which halachic path it took. It's very hard to find out. Um, but that said, when the Shulchan Aruch speaks about lighting inside, meaning really inside, meaning no window, just inside the house. <clears throat> there, there are my notes that if you're lighting inside, there's no longer an upper limit as to how long you, you, you need to, to, to uh, you know, until when you, can, you, can, you need to light by. There's no longer the upper limit. That window don't, no, no, no longer has an upper limit because you're not lighting for people in the public um, forum. You're lighting for your own house. So as long as somebody is awake, then you can keep lighting, and that's the ideal time when you're inside. So therefore... Someone else is awake. Somebody else should be awake, yeah. So therefore, nowadays, that we kind of do, we do light inside, there is room to say that you could light even later than that half-hour time frame. Okay? So I'm just showing there's another halachic avenue that we happen to have nowadays because we light inside, that lighting later on in the evening still uh, can very well count, and you can make a brach on it. So, uh, but back to the beginning. So how long should the candles be lit for? How long should they be lit for? A half hour. Well, a half hour. If you're in a circumstance where, as I mentioned before, uh, I'm sorry? Half hour after it takes, right? Until a half hour after it takes. It's often going to be more than an hour. I'm sorry? Right, when I say a half hour, it means, uh, it means a half hour past the last time, which is, which is, a full, which is basically an hour from Shkia. Wait, but it still applies. The beginning of the time you, you have to light still applies, even in a case like... T- it's not as a, well, you don't yeah. Have yes, the, that still applies. Misha still applies because that's based upon the sun. That's not based upon foot traffic. Now, I mean, that's the uh, the source is is based upon the when the sun sets. The reasoning behind the source is because that's when we're catching people going home. It doesn't say it explicitly though, but it says explicitly is when the sun goes down. That's when you should light. So that still applies for sure. How long should it last for? Half hour if it says. Is there an idea of having it last well into the night? Get a nice big cup of oil, have it last well into the night. Is there such a, an idea of doing so? So, the, um, as we mentioned just now, yes, there seems to be a concept of having pisume nisa to the, those in your house, especially since nowadays we light inside. It is not mandatory. You don't have to do this. There is an, there's a, it's a nice idea. The Magad of Ram mentions that it's, it's, a, it's a laudable. It's a um, hitter mitzvah. It's beautification of the mitzvah to have long candles, but not a lot of oil. Hmm. I'm not sure why. That's what he writes. Long candles is a hitter mitzvah, but not having um, a lot of oil. You mentioned the people inside the house. I would have thought you would have mentioned the people outside the house. In other words, the reason to have it lit longer would be to, since we are going to be lighting by the window, people outside will see a little bit. 
the Amayla to have it that's true. longer for the people to see outside. Right, so that was what I mentioned earlier, the briskarov lit, you know, to, right. to catch those people at the movies. But you're saying nothing. But that's not, that's not a, um, it's a nice thing to do, for sure, but it's not halakhically mandated. You're saying it's more, but it's also more piercing for the people inside to have it lit longer, possibly, even though they already saw it. You know, earlier in the t- there's two things. There's halachic and there's extra halachic. Within the realms of the strict halachic channels, that's why we're, f- we're referring to inside the house. Because in- inside the house, the idea of lighting inside the house, we see in the Ramah and other sources that if you're lighting inside, then the ideal time continues to go up as long as people are up. In oh, addition to that, there's this extra halachic concept of having people in the outside see it. But I'm talking about having the candle lit, stay lit longer. Yeah. You mentioned something about that would be a Milo for people inside or something. Right. So is that true? So it might be a Milo just for people to continue to see it yeah, for a yeah, long I think so. inside. I think so. What's a Milo? Yeah. Uh, benefit, a nice thing. But it's not halakhically mandated. You don't have to do it. And there are people who don't like leaving their candles on for too long. They want to leave. It's, uh, it, you know, they're, they're nervous uh, about the, implica- the safety implications. They want to put them out. So to extinguish the flames after... The half hour after taste, meaning after 6.35, is perfectly permissible. Mm-hmm. Now, there's it. this idea out there that you shouldn't blow out candles. <sighs> shouldn't blow out candles. Any candles. Is that, Any candles. Is that a, is that, is that, is that, is that it's an idea, but is it a reality? So that's, that's why I'm mentioning it right now. Any lit flame. I'm sorry? You told us a story. I don't remember that. You almost set something on fire. You had to take it to the sink. No, that was cause that was on Yantin. That was something else. Okay. It wasn't. Uh, there's a minute to extinguish it in the grape juice. Yes. That I've heard of. I never heard of. Never ever blowing out a candle. Yeah. So there's a. Um, at BJ preschool. They'll ask you. Let's find out. Are you a blower? Let's find out. There are those I've I've heard the minhag of saying uh, Pesach or Purim <laughs> as a way of blowing out the candles without actually blowing at them. So I did a little bit of uh, research, and the earliest source is a, is a medrash um, called the, the Chupas Eliyahu. First time I've heard of this medrash. It's brought in a sefer called the Reishis Chachma, which is a 16th century, very influential 16th century, century Kabbalistic work of Muslim ethics and Kabbalah all tied together. And he quotes this, this medrash and, and brings it as like a segula, like a, you know, Kabbalistic causation uh, of somebody who engages in four activities, Dhamma Barosho, it's uh, dangerous for him. And one of them is blowing out a candle with one's breath. Um, I didn't go into it. <laughs> That's for the next so, uh, year. Just practically, what do you recommend? To so the, so how to, how to just going through the sources, yeah. the Ben Yishchai um, and others quote that the Arizal said also that we shouldn't, shouldn't uh, blow out candles with our, our breath. The reason is not given. It's very hard to find a reason. I saw somewhere quoted by an unauthoritative source that, that says um, ki, you know, ner, um, a person's neshama is compared to a ner, ner Hashem, nishmas adam, and, uh, and that a Karash Baruch Hu blew our souls into us through our nostrils, and therefore we shouldn't blow out a flame which symbolizes a soul. And there's this type of a talk, but I haven't found that in, a, in an authoritative work. So, what's the bottom line? I actually saw this mentioned in a, in a, uh, in a halachic discussion of birthday cakes. And there, is some, there, there are some who question if we, should, we as Jews should be blowing out candles on a birthday cake, because maybe it has some pagan 
um, uh, roots, the whole idea of oh, sure, out, blowing out candles and birthdays and that whole thing. So there are those who not raise these issues. Reason. No, not for this reason at all. For a totally separate reason and much more serious reason. Yeah, right. No, no, not quoted at all. It's not, this is not so. The bottom line with regards to not birthday cakes. I don't know. I'm just saying that it's the ideal. It's I only saw certain candles, not other. It wouldn't be like blanket on all candles. Blowing out blow candles out? in general, yeah. or birthday yeah. cakes. Are we just saying any candles once you blow because you're blowing out a flame, or you're saying Talking specific about candles? Candle. So two separate things. Birthday cake. I don't know. I'm just saying <laughs> it. It came up. I've seen it discussed. Don't know. When it comes to blowing out candles with your breath. So it is, you can, nobody can say that it is forbidden. You can't say there's any, there's no halachic source that I know of that indicates that it's forbidden to do so. There are a great many people who have this minhag um, in their families and in Klai. So it exists, it's out there. It's an interesting minhug thing. to not do it. To make sure to refrain from blowing out candles with so your they just do What about a match? Or something? So what they do is, I've yeah. seen this in my family. But you can put it out with your fingers, <coughs> just be careful. You can wave at it, anything. Any other method of blowing out candles, take out your fire extinguisher. <laughs> just not with your breath. Um, I wouldn't tell anybody you have to take on this, this, uh, this minhag. But it exists, it's out there, it's an interesting thing to note. You also know rabbanim that don't hold by this and do blow Yes, yes, yes. I've seen it quoted that there are rabbanim who specifically blow it out with their breath. So it's, a, it's all over the place. Interesting. It's very prevalent, though. I've, I've heard it in many different circles. Okay, so that's with regards to when to blow out candles and if to blow out candles literally with your breath. You can get a goy to do it for you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a goy. Only if you're in pain. Okay, a couple more questions. What do you do with the oil afterwards? After you've blown it out with uh, Sergei's uh, Hanukkah goy? Well, everyone knows that you pour it on the lockers. <laughs> what nice do you do with the oil? Makes mm-hmm. it nice and greasy. So as we say, uh, you know, we're not supposed to benefit from the, the candles or El El Osam Bilvad. We're just supposed to look at them and appreciate God's miracles. Um, so for the 30 minutes, the requisite 30 minutes of burn time, which in our case is closer to an hour because we're trying to cover all of our bases, that oil is mukta. Muksa is a term we're familiar with on Shabbos, but what that means is set aside. Um, there are different types of muksa. One of the most muksa has to do with Shabbos or Yantif. There's a type of muksa called muksa machmas mitzvaso, huksa mitzvaso, which means it's set aside for use as a mitzvah. And since it's a mitzvah, we can't utilize it for mundane purposes. So if the candle blo- blows out, the flames <coughs> blow out within that half hour, hour period, that oil is muksa and it should not be used for any other purpose. So it could be used the next night. I think so, yeah. Uh, same thing with the wicks. Mm-hmm. After that time period, if you're adding in more oil, you want it to burn longer, which I, we said you don't have to, but if you'd like to do so, and it could burn, and you like the idea of having it burn longer, and there is a nice ideas behind it, there's some, some halachic ideas as well, then that extra oil is not moksa, and you could use it for whatever you'd like. You could put it into your latkes. There are those who say that if you don't specify and you put in a lot of oil, then you intend for all that oil to be used for a mitzvah, in which case it all takes on mitzvah properties. And therefore, the Mishaburah says the best thing to do is to make a, a declaration similar to what we do on Erev Sukkot and say any extra oil that burns past the time um, is not, I'm, I don't intend it for mitzvah purposes. And then you can use it as you wish. Only if you're adding the oil yourself and putting a wick in. Okay. You've got little things. The pre prefab cups. Those burn out, right? The residue at the bottom. Yeah. Occasionally you have some. 
Yeah. Just toss it? Yeah, you could throw it out. It's nice to bag it and throw it out. Just because you did a mitzvah with it, so it's a nice idea, but you don't have to. Do you have a min- minhag to save it for like a... Yeah, there is a minhag to save it for... for, Pesach, for, for yeah, Hadlakas Neiros Pesach. It's such a... But the ones that we have that you're describing... The, the, the plastic, plastic ones and the ones that are attached to the glass and plastic. Do you see what they throw in them at home? I'm <laughs> hoping that they don't. <laughs> the wits you can take out. That's true. Everything it's there. a nice thing to do. You, once something is used for one mitzvah, to use it for another mitzvah is a very nice thing to do. Okay, let's move on. Where, physically, how, how should you set up the candles and where should you start lighting from? This is a f- source of confusion. Fortunately, my wife remembers year to year what I did last year. <laughs> Now, at this point, I've, I've learned this, the halacha, so I remember, but... Um, also been in a different house every year, so... That's also true. So how should you start lighting? So here, that we light, in, in, in Eretz Yisrael, there, there's so many extra shilas, extra sugis, extra ideas of, uh, of candle lighting that we don't have here in America. I'm not used to this. You know, where to light outside, by the doorway and the entranceway to a building or by the, uh, the courtyard and where in the doorway to the right, to the left, in the middle and all how to set up all the, those shilas. It's much, much simpler here. So the way the minig is uh, to light candles is as follows. The Shulchan Aruch says, you start with the rightmost candle. So on the first night, this is following the principle that the right in halacha and in Jewish thought has a certain importance and chashivas to it, towards the right. So the rightmost candle is the one that's lit first. The next night, on light number, night number two, you add another candle to the left, and then you light that one, the new one, going from the left to the right. And there's this concept that appears several different places in halacha of always turning to the right. The right has chashibis, you turn to the right. I'll give you a couple of examples. When we shake lulav, Mm -hmm. the first way you go is to the right. That's following this principle of going to the right. Another example, when you you take out the Sefer Torah from the Aron and you walk it down to the bima or walk it back up, it's always on the right side. Another example. Or the south side. Right. The south side. Uh, that could be. I haven't I heard of that. that. I always turn right. Oh, the chadori? Very good. I always do that. I think I saw that. I mean, I know, in my city, it has to turn to the left, so I don't, I don't know. That's wrong. So there are a bunch of options, a bunch of ways in which we see this uh, importance of turning to the right. So you start from the right, you add one flame to the left, and then you go from left to right. So you light the new flame, and then you keep turning towards the right. Poskim also mentioned that one should position oneself so that you don't, you're not in front of the rightmost candle first. In other words, let's say it's the eighth night. Candles are facing me, okay? So I started with this one. Sorry, this is not a video. You can't see what I'm doing, but you can listen to the tapping. There's this one all the way on the right, and then you, you add one. Night number two is to the left, and you keep going so that the last night, the eighth night, the final candle is over here. Is the menorah facing you? Ma- it's it facing me. Okay, it's not. Uh, what if you're lighting it out? What if you're lighting it by your window? And now the idea is presuming it's to the outside. Yeah. You do this facing so then me. I'm lighting it like this. I'm going starting no, you're here. You're still doing it facing. You're still doing it the way you face the candles. Okay. Because you're turning to the right. So if this is the last flame, so you should position yourself so that you're over here. Because if you position yourself over here, so that the can so that the flames are directly in front of you, then your right hand. 
mm. which is, you know, uh, the one that you extend forward is first going to, the first going to be opposite the flame that you want to light last. And then you're skipping over it to light the other ones first. So therefore, it says that you're supposed to position yourself so that you hit the first light that you want to light without skipping over the other ones. So that means you, you always position yourself further to the left every night of Hanukkah so that you hit that light first and then you keep lighting going from left to right. Is that because you don't want to pass over? Exactly, yeah. You don't want to pass over uh, one candle to light the next. The reason why we take on Shabbos, we take the, like when the wine is passed, you take the first one that comes to you and you drink it and then you pass on the rest. It's for the same kind of reason? Yes. Yes. Yeah, I mean that's pa- that's you passing over a mitzvah. Yeah. And in this case, you're um, you're passing, you're 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 having the candle, candle. miss its opportunity yeah. to be lit. I think it's more like left mitzvah on Friday night. Right, right, we right. Keep the, we keep the lower chal a little bit closer to us. So yeah. To yeah. Pass over the yes, uh, very good. Right, right, right. Just to ask Josh's question again, the, the only direction that matters is the direction you're facing. I mean, it, it doesn't. There's no absolute right. No. It could be this too. When dealing with a doorway. Then it gets much more complicated. So, then but this is just matters where I'm standing. Where you're standing, because <coughs> you are turning to your, so your right. If someone like positions their menorah away from their window and they're standing, let's say the window's here, the street's there, street window menorah. Mm-hmm. If they stand here, they're gonna light here. Yeah, that's but right. If I put my menorah right up against the window and I stand here. I'm gonna be lighting here. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Got it. Because it's about you relative right. hitting the relative right. right. If you're, when, you're, when you're loading up your relative to you. Let me tell you one right. fascinating. Doesn't it say to put, to put them in right to left and then light from left to right? That's what we're doing. Yeah. So when you put in your actual wicks and then you start, you go from right to left. I didn't right? see that. I, I didn't see that. I didn't see which way to put in the actual. It's not part of the mitzvah, really. I'm not sure. I haven't seen that. Um, just interesting to note, the Taz is of the opinion that you should do the exact opposite. Brought <laughs> in the Verlacha. This is not the standard halacha. I just wanted to mention it because of his proof. Uh, the Lavush uh, agrees with this opinion, and he says, the re- the, how do we know? He says turning to the right, the idea of turning right means that you start right and you go to the left. Meaning when you're giving chashivas, you're giving importance to the right side, the way we do it, according to the Shulchan Aruch and all the other examples I mentioned earlier, is turning from left to right. right. The Taz of the opinion that giving chashivas to the right, importance to the right, means you start right, yeah, and then that, you go to the left. That makes a lot of sense. Actually. It's so exactly the opposite. You start with the right one. You start with the right, the and then one. you go to the left. That's what the Taz holds. It's brought in the Baralacha. And, and the Levush says the proof for this opinion is Hebrew writing. Hebrew writing... In, in Lashon HaKodesh, we start writing, and we write from right to left. So you see that, there's a, uh, that it's important to go from right to left. Interesting proof. Mm. There's a sefer called the Mabusha Yantif in Ahron who, who's, who, who counters this. And he says that that's with regards to generally <laughs> writing uh, words out, you write right to left. But when you're writing Ksivas Stam, when you're writing letters in a sefer Torah, the way you form a letter in a Sefer Torah or Tefillin or uh, Mezuzah is from left to right. Hmm. Within each letter, you start on the left side and you move from left to right within the letters. So you see that it's not an absolute must to be right to left. For For writing in writing in Sefer Torah. Yeah, you start from the left side. The letter is started on its so left side. So is that side. to suggest that even though we don't follow that, that, that if we did it that way... It's bid, fine. None of these options 
um, uh, you know, exclude the other. Exclude the other. Yeah. Uh-huh. Meaning, not, not, not to exclude the other. The option that's brought in the Shulchan Aruch is, as I mentioned first, which is that you start from the right and you move from left to right every single night, adding a candle and going left to right. However, it's not me'akev. This is just the nicest way to do the mitzvah, but you don't have to do it this way. Your mitzvah still counts 110%. If you do it any way, any which way. Even if you do it out of order? Uh, yes. Yes. doesn't make any difference. Is With regards to the halacha. Is it impossible to make all of the shittas happy? I'm sorry? It seems like the shittas are connected. Yeah, no, it's impossible to get all of them. <laughs> yeah, you could try. I'd like that. to see it. but it's <laughs> could, you, could you do Beit Shammai? I'm sorry? Yeah, Beit Shammai would have all No, that wouldn't work. Eight candles, first night, seven and second. Yeah. Okay, a couple more minutes. Do two more two more interesting shilas. So what about if somebody is traveling? I actually got this question again this, this year about uh, three or four days ago. Somebody mentioned to me, they're probably listening to this, probably will be listening to this. Um, they're leaving to go to fly to Israel on Sunday afternoon, and they have to leave their house at 4 o'clock. Sunday afternoon, meaning next Sunday, December 2nd, Hanukkah is at night. They're leaving their house at 4 o'clock, and they're not going to arrive until the, you know, the next day. Daytime, right? Yeah, they can miss the whole night. They miss the whole night. The earliest time that one can, we talked earlier about the optimal time to light, the best time to light. If you have no choice, the earliest time that you can light Hanukkah candles is from a time called Plag Hamincha. Uh, in our world, that's 4.30. For the, for the days of Hanukkah, that's about 4.30. So you light and you go. <coughs> so I said, you know, can you stay until 4.30? <laughs> I said, no, we have to leave at 4 o'clock or, you know, we're going to miss, or it's going to be nerve-wracking, we have to leave at 4.00. So that's the question. What, is, what, the, what, what does this family do, or what does someone do if they're driving all night? They have to have a meeting, they have to go to a family simcha, whatever it is, they have to go. So they're driving all night, what should they do that night of Hanukkah? The first question um, is, uh, well, let me, let me go in order. Um, if a person, if, a, if it's not an entire family that's traveling and there's somebody left at home, so we already mentioned that the people at home Motsi. can be mozi those who are traveling. The that's child. easy. A child be a bar mitzvah, yeah. yes, mm-hmm. yeah. The lighting at home, it's all, it's yeah, yes, that works. So what the shail is only about an entire family or a single person who lives <coughs> by themselves or whatever. The the entire house is uprooting for the night, and there's no opportunity to light at home. So the the first question, by the way, is uh, some ask. I've heard this asked in the past. Do I have to change my ticket to make sure that I fly a day earlier? or work out a different time to fly there, I'm not going to miss Kadlaka's Nero's Hanukkah. Do I have to change my ticket? It's going to cost $300 in a change fee, and it's going to cost you know, a difference in, difference in fare. It's going to cost me five dollars $600. Do I have to do that in order to make sure that I can light Nero's Hanukkah? I hope the answer is no. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, you might have thought the answer would be no. <laughs> <laughs> Why can't you just get someone else to be, to be made points? It has to be family? Yes, I've household. heard somebody can come if to your n- house and light it. So if nobody is home, that's only if someone's. No, if nobody no, is home, someone, uh, someone else, someone else, not someone who lives there. I've heard people doing that. If it's not your house for Hanukkah, it's not your house. You've left. You can start with with another family. You're not there yet. You're you're, no, you're nowhere. Somebody, you're somebody, traveling. Somebody let's, where you let's, live. Let's, let's see what he has to do with Rabbi said. No, no, no. We're going to keep going. You just cut it off. I want the answer. I know the questions. So when it comes to spending the money on it, so one of the first halachas in all of, of Hilchas Hanukkah is, is, as the Rambam notes, 
that uh, even a poor person has to sell the shirt off his back in order to buy, to have uh, Nero's Hanukkah, the, the minimum amount, meaning one, one Nero. Um, whereas when it comes to other mitzvahs, the halach is you have to spend a considerable amount of money, but not too much. The Ramah says, not more than a fifth, whatever that means, practically we'll get to a different time. But when it comes to Nero's Hanukkah, there is no such upper limit. Apparently, you should, you're supposed to, literally, it says, the Gemara says, not the Gemara, the Rambam says, you're supposed to sh- sell, a poor person should borrow or sell the shirt off his back. <coughs> so this, you know, how that translates practically is, needs to be discussed. But there's this idea that you should try to make sure to, to, to light candles in the right way. Um, but the question is, do you have to do that? So let's go through this. Step one, a person who has no home. Well, Lainu, someone is homeless, or in this case, people are homeless because they're traveling. Do they have a chiv to light candles or not? Rav Moshe Feinstein said, no. A person who has no home has no obligation to light candles. There is much discussion in the post game if the chiv, the obligation to light Hanukkah candles, is on the house or on the individual person. As a Bach, it seems to say, the individual person, most postgame, and certainly with motion in this case, says it's on the house. And if you have no house, you have no obligation to light Hanukkah candles. He brings, he, he brings a raya, proof from Rashi. Gemara talks about a birchas haroin, somebody who has no opportunity to light candles. So when he sees the candles, there's a special bracha that he can make. It's usually not apl- applicable nowadays. Who is somebody who has no opportunity to light candles? Rashi says, Rashi on the Gemara says, somebody on a boat. Somebody on a boat has no opportunity to light candles, and therefore, about him, the Gemara uh, mentions this idea of a birchas haroin, making the bracha on seeing the candles. So Moshe says, why can't he light candles on the boat? Answer, it's not his home, it's not his house. He has no house, he is putter, he is exempt from lighting Hanukkah candles. This is the Shuvas Maharsham, um, who talks about, um, this is in the advent of train travel, and they used to go in railway, railway cars, mm-hmm. and they would stay, you know, in sleeper cars. And, mm-hmm. and uh, he talks about lighting uh, Hanukkah candles on a train. And there he says that a person should light a Hanukkah candle on the train. And he says, what about Rashi? Rashi says in a boat, a person has no of no obligation to light candles. That's talking about a boat that there's no covering. It's not house-like. It's like a canoe or like some open, open-aired vessel. And it can't be viewed as a home at all. But if it has a roof and it's covered and you're able to sleep comfortably, that's a home. That's your home for now. And you should light candles there. So the Maharsham Paskin, that you should light candles on a traveling train at night. So this seems to be not like Rav Moshe. But they're both quoted very often by other poskim. Some say, ah, Rav Moshe said you have no home, you're putter. Others say, no, the Maharsham says that when you have something you can call your home for now, if you're in a train or in a car or, or maybe a plane, then you do have a chiyav to light candles. So these are the two, the two opinions. So going back one step, do you have to change your plane ticket? According to Moshe Feinstein, of course not. You have no obligation if you don't have a home. So then the question is, well, do you have to work it out to have a home? Okay, that's a whole different discussion. According to the Marasham, I don't know, maybe. Um, because you are chayev to light where you're, wherever you are. Um, and therefore, maybe you should uh, work out to light in your home, meaning your real home. Now, what about being on a plane or a train? So, as I mentioned before, Moshe said there's no chayev. Uh, according to those that say you do have an obligation to light wherever you are if you're traveling. First of all, it's only if you, have, if you paid for a seat and you have like a place to sit in. 
you know, if you're on a subway for some reason, stuck in a subway overnight, you don't really have your own spot. You're just wherever you happen to be. You're moving back and forth. You don't have your own spot. Nobody would say you should light Hanukkah candles on a subway. But if you have a plane, if you're on a, if you're on a plane, you have a seat for the night, 46B is your seat, no one else can sit there, then that's where the question comes in. Except for nowadays, you cannot, you cannot light on, a, on an airplane. Or, or can you? Or can you? <laughs> or can you? So Spend yeah, the rest of your life in prison. <laughs> so yeah, you're right. You, uh, you it's not a good idea. I wouldn't try it. I definitely wouldn't recommend lighting a flame on, on the... There's actually, a, in the back of uh, the Sefer Nitha Gavriel, he has a very long, his first shuva there. He talks about lighting in the laboratory. If that works. If it's, if it's a nice thing to do, not a nice thing to do. He has a whole long piece on that. I didn't actually read it. I just saw he, he speaks about it. It must be pre-9-11. Um, but nowadays, this is not an option. For sure not. The question is, what about using a flashlight? Uh. Obviously, you can't use flames. Can you use a flashlight? So this gets into another halakhic discussion. <coughs> flashlights with regards, or electric lights, with regards to Neros Shabbos, Havdalah, Hanukkah candles. The, the replete with uh, halakhic sources uh, this way and that way. Uh, right, now we have cell phones, right? Same issue in the hospital. So, uh, same thing in the hospital, yeah. It, this is a very uh, common discussion. Between Shabbos lights and Hanukkah lights. There, there are, you yeah. You could do it for Shabbos lights, but not for Hanukkah lights. Yeah, so That's there are those who say, there, so Shlomo Zaman Orbach was the, uh, was the one who said, yes, you can light with a flashlight and you can make a brach on it. Wow. says in Halicha Shlomo, quoted everywhere. He said, you can. You can light, you're sitting on a plane. He doesn't talk about a plane there, but in this case, you'd be sitting on your plane. You bring your little flashlight along. You make a bracha on it, sing Mozart, and you have it next to your seat, <laughs> trying not to disturb anyone else in the plane. You have, you have to, to bring, bring eight, eight, you have to bring eight flashlights. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry? Night, you have to bring eight flashlights in the eighth you're, line. You're Yotzi with one candle. <laughs> so one is enough, but maybe. Uh, others say, no, you can't use a candle. Of the base, Yitzchak famously said that a flashlight is not even an incandescent bulb is not fire; it's just glowing metal. So it's, it can't count as fire. Um, others say it has to be similar to the nearest of the base Hamikdash. The candles we're lighting are representative of the candles they lit in the base Hamikdash, and therefore it has to be similar to the base Hamikdash. The Maral actually writes at great length that you shouldn't even use wax candles because they don't have this idea of being similar to the candles of the base Hamikdash. He says therefore only oil. So some extend that to nowadays. Electric lights don't have that similarity. They don't have a wick. They don't have uh, oil. They don't have, uh, he, uh, um, they don't have the tsura. They don't have the makeup, makeup of, a, uh, of a candle. And therefore, they can't be used. So bottom line is, that is a big machlokas if you can use flashlights and electric lights. Um, what I advise this traveling family is to light with a flashlight without a bracha. Because according to Moshe Feinstein, uh, you don't have to light at all. According to the Marisham, you do have to light, but you don't really have an option. And according to the Shlomo Zaman Urbach, you are Yotzi with a flashlight. So you exactly. put it all yeah. together. You try to, you try to satisfy point. as many pins as you can. <laughs> I'm sorry? Try to satisfy as many pins In this case, can. they have no other options, so it's fine. Let them light with a flashlight without a bracha. They could, yes. You're recommending that they... You're not using it for anything else. You can't just... Correct. Yeah, you can't read with it. It's your nearest Hanukkah. That's so yeah, yeah. If they were able yeah. to leave at 4.30, is yeah, there, can they light it and leave, or is there a minimum amount of time one has to actually be there? Also not entirely clear. Um, they probably, in that case, I probably would have told them to light. And to With the bracha and leave? Yeah. 
because yeah, it was about, their house. According to Moshe Feinstein's opinion, if you were at a hotel, let's say you're on the car, you're in the plane, you're in the train, now you're, you're following you're at a hotel, it's still nighttime, what is the obligation in a hotel, especially a hotel when nowadays you're not even allowed to light a candle? Would you follow your same, your same recommendation that you do use some kind of incandescent light without a bracha? Is that what you Yeah, I, I would think so. A hotel is also sticky. You know, the questions that I used to get at hotels in Eretz Yisrael, where they let you light in the dining room. Some places even let you light in your rooms. I remember that we, we did one of our first married, I think our first married Hanukkah, we were in a hotel, and uh, someone bought us a, a wedding present of uh, a stay in a, in a nice hotel in the north, and I think it was our first married Hanukkah, and I lit in my room, in the hotel room. They, I don't think I asked, but <laughs> room service came. They didn't say anything. So, um, uh, but the, you know that's always a discussion. Is it better to light where you eat? Uh, Shiva Bachim have this question all the time. Better to light, you know, where you eat in the dining room or where you sleep in your dorm room. There's all sorts of discussions about that. Con- in, it, nowadays, it doesn't really apply because you're not allowed to light in your room in the hotel. Uh, I think I don't believe American hotels allow you to light in the dining room. We, we, I, I don't know. Um, we ask you what. We went I to a hotel in Chattanooga, and we asked them, they let us light in the room. Yeah. In the room. So that's the best. If you can light in the room, light in the room, and that's great. If, I don't have. As far as opposing business, if one is, let's say, on a business trip, and they're in a hotel, but, it's, but they're by themselves, and if they light and it's just them, and they're in an area that's not a Jewish area at all, do you light with a... I mean, who sure. Has to see, who has to see... If no one else is around, you're enough. Just yourself. Yeah. Yeah. The post can speak about if a person gets home late at night. Back in the days that they li- they lit inside, <laughs> inside and only inside. And when, he, when, he, when a person would get home late at night, so the Magan Ram says, if no one else is awake, you can't make a bracha, because no one else can see it. And the Chebed Moshe and others, and Moshe Feinstein agrees to this opinion, says, why not? Either wake someone up, or if you can't wake them up, if they just won't get up, light for yourself. You also count. You should be able to make a bracha for yourself. Um, and that's the way Moshe finds St. Paskins. So that's, uh, that's a valid option. Now, I was going to say that when I was in New York, I used to get home late from a data entry job at like after 2 in the morning. Really? And I was living in Bar Park, though, so there are always people on the street. doesn't matter what time it is. Right. So I would light at the window, whatever window cell, and I would light at like 2, whatever, 15 in the morning. And I was able to do it with a bracha and everything. And um, I knew that there were still people walking on the street. That's great. <laughs> sure. Yeah, there are many um, Hasidish Rebbe's that light. I've been to them. I've been to lightings at 1, 2 o'clock in the morning, <coughs> inside, with hundreds of people. <laughs> it was definitely well, pursuing many. That's when they do men's isn't it? Yeah, okay. I think the hour is late. Uh, I didn't get to everything. I got to most things. Thank you very much for, for attending. And any further questions, please feel free to ask. Thank you, Happy Hanukkah. So this year is called the Hanukkah Crash Course. The point of it is to go through some of the more common questions, Shilas, that are asked. Uh, with regards to lighting Hanukkah candles. And, um, yeah, thank you. And uh, so I published a bunch of them on the flyer. Hi. Yeah, you can say hello to everyone listening at home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Come on, you can do it. I just, I just did. <laughs>